You're listening to teaching from Central Church in West Columbia, South Carolina. We hope that this message will help you experience Jesus in a new and exciting way. For more information, please visit us at centralnazarene.org. I'm glad you're here. We uh, obviously uh, continue to battle uh, COVID. I don't know if you've uh, noticed that or not, but uh, it, it, the, the circles of, uh, of concern get closer and closer. You know, it's like when this thing started out several months ago, it was like out there somewhere. But uh, in more recent weeks, it, it gets closer and closer to people you know. And uh, that's always more disconcerting as, as it gets closer to you because um, no one wants to get sick, and I certainly don't. So um, continue, I ask you to continue to be careful uh, because it's like I said to someone, it's like... Um, well, how do I say it? It's, uh, it's like virus roulette. You know, you don't know if you're going to be the one that just has sniffles or the one that has to go in the hospital. So just be careful because you don't want to have it anyway. So uh, just encourage you to do that. There is uh, a lot of sickness that's, that's going on around us, and uh, some of it's pretty serious. So just remember one another, pray for one another, uh, be mindful of one another, um, because... Uh, we need one another and prayers for one another. Um, this is the Sunday before Christmas. Oh, let that sink in. It's the Sunday before Christmas. Uh, the last Sunday of Advent. Lord willing, we'll have a uh, Christmas Eve service here uh, Thursday night. And uh, it'll be quiet. It'll be dimly lit. It won't be long. And um, so that's the plan. This has been a, uh, a, a very, very different year. As I mentioned last Sunday, you know, Vic and I came to church that, you know, last Sunday, and uh, that's, that Saturday before, we woke up to a busted water pipe, and uh, the water shooting out had uh, ruined our, our uh, AC unit, heat, our furnace. So we had neither water nor furnace. We still don't have furnace. And... Uh, so it's a wrong, when you get your insurance involved, it's just a longer process. And uh, so, but, but we're good. We got, we got heat, we got a fireplace, and we got gas, and we got electricity, and, and we have water, hallelujah. You can live without a lot of things. You can't live without water. And uh, so uh, found, out, found out yesterday, was it yesterday morning? Yesterday morning we were just uh, discovering that uh, we thought the water was restricted to just the basement area, but what we didn't know, because we didn't go down there, that in the basement... The, the floor was soaking wet. Uh, we just didn't go down there. just didn't think it was a problem. But I went down there uh, just to check things, which I do from time to time. And the rugs were soaking wet, the floor. I, I saw footprints in, on the floor, and I went, what in the world? And to come to find us, I had to rip out all the, the trim all around the floor, put in big old blowers in there. So uh, life happens. It's so fun. And uh, I said to one of the uh, technicians that was there doing an inspection or whatever, I said, man, this is just, this is just not our year. I mean, Vic had just got her car back from a deer uh, running over Grandma, and, uh, and I, I was talking about that, and he said, no, man, this is everybody's year. You know, it's everybody's year. So uh, it's very, very true. So uh, we continue to press on. And, and like today, I can't tell you how many people are just uh, gone or sick or, or whatever the case may be. But here we are, and I'm glad that you're here. And uh, the, the theme of today is 
That's a little weak. Let's try it again. The theme, the theme of today is... There you go. Um, it is the theme of Advent all over the world. Love. The love of God. And um, I want to try to share with you th this message. Um, and to say something maybe that... Maybe you've heard it before, but maybe I can say it in a way. Maybe that might be different, but that's probably pretty true. And, uh, but something that will be challenging, something that will be uh, uplifting, something that will be edifying uh, and to communicate... In, in a way that it's, it's helpful to you to have been here today. So pray that the Spirit of the Lord will, will help me uh, to speak the word. The, the, the message, the title of the message is, is Love Came Down at Christmas, and that is absolutely true. Let me read you part of the story. It comes out of Luke, the first chapter, and I, I might need a, a bottle of water, just thinking. Um, in the sixth month, this is Luke, the first chapter, starting at verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angels answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Um, what we have in this, uh, in this uh, story, in this narrative, is, is uh, a focus on two women in particular, uh, Mary and Elizabeth. And they are uh, obviously great women. Um, we don't know a whole lot about either one of them. Uh, there's not a lot written about them. And... Um, we know that Mary was favored. We know that she was married, would be soon married to Joseph. And I think that, that in, in our... I said this last year, I believe, but I think it bears repeating. You know, someone that the Lord uh, highly favors probably ought to get a bit of favor from us. And I think that we have probably done uh, Mary a disservice uh, as Protestants in reaction to what maybe what our, the, our Catholic brothers and sisters have done and exalting her maybe to a position that, that maybe not be most appropriate as we would think. But someone who, who, uh, who gives birth to the Son of God, who is highly favored by God, who is visited by the angel Gabriel, probably should have higher esteem among us. I was hoping for a little stronger uh, word or amen. Um, so, very, very good. And then this is my also, my awesome, beautiful... This came from the children's department. Thank you, children. Because I told them that 
That was my helper at the car at that moment. And now it's my helper on the front row. <laughs> but you know, someone said, and I borrowed the phrase, that my wife's voice sounds a lot like the voice of the Spirit. You know? <laughs> now, this story you've heard probably all your life, and you know it well. But maybe what, you've, what might elude you is that uh, this is a story, and, and it has, it has uh, characters, and two of the principal characters are Mary and Elizabeth. And Elizabeth, as you know, is, is married to Zacharias, who is a priest and, and um, uh, is the mother of John the Baptist. And six months into her pregnancy, the, 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 Gabriel, the angel Gabriel visits Mary, and, and uh, announces to her that she's also going to give birth to a son. And so it could be, and I, I thought about putting an image of, of, um, of Mary and uh, Elizabeth greeting one another, or, or Mary just looking down in the face of Jesus uh, as a little baby, or a nativity scene, which is absolutely beautiful, with warm, glowing light. And, and we could make this just kind of a, a, a warm, sentimental kind of, of, of story and a picture and, and, and that is a beautiful thing. And, and uh, uh, the love of a mother is like, it's indescribable. It's, it's amazing. In fact, um, the love of mother is so great that we have a day uh, in the year that we celebrate it. Uh, Mother's Day. Um, you can really get hurt or get yourself in trouble by, by criticizing uh, someone's mother. Uh, that's, that's probably crossing the line when you do that. So... Uh, mothers are very revered throughout the world. They give, they give us life. They, they carry us in their womb, so, and, and they, they, they nurture us, they feed us, they protect us. And so there is a great bond between most people and their mother. Um, and we could talk about Mary, and we could talk about Elizabeth as, as in their mother roles, as no doubt they were, they, were, uh, they were highly favored by God, so they were obviously very careful, very esteemed women and devout women. But one of the things about the scriptures is that um, this, this story is greater than the story of just a nativity, of just a mother's love, of, of, um, of, of, of the birth of the, of the Christ child. It, it is that, but it is, it is uh, it's even more than that. Um, it is a story that escapes the bounds of biology. I mean, if you think about it, Gabriel said to Mary, it is said of Elizabeth that she cannot bear children. But she, I'm telling you now, she is six months into her pregnancy. And, and Mary is, is a virgin. She's not even married. She's, she's espoused to be married. She's, she's engaged, and, in, and that's like being married. And if she's found to be with child, you know, you've heard enough preaching to know that that could be very dangerous for a young Jewish woman who is not married to be pregnant. And in fact, she probably never escaped the raised eyebrows for the rest of her life. Everyone wondered, everyone conjectured, everyone had thoughts uh, about this birth uh, and, and the pregnancy of Mary. And so, um, what is going on here, and, and I just pray that the Lord will, will help me uh, to say it and to speak it in such a way so that it will be uh, transformative, is that 
In the scriptures, there are these individual stories, whether it be uh, the story of, of, uh, of, uh, of, of the exile of Israel, of the, of the call of Abraham, or the, the story of Joseph, or whatever story that you want to pull out of the scriptures uh, of a life event that some servant of the Lord that is recorded in the scriptures, it is a particular story about the faithfulness of God for that for that people or for that family or for that man or for that woman. <clears throat> Excuse me. But what's going on here, uh, what is going on here is, and I'm going to throw a word at you that has actual meaning, and it's, and it's an important meaning, is that there is, a, there is what we call a grand theme, a grand theme that's going on. And all these individual stories, no matter what the story is, there is a grand theme or what we might call a meta-story a meta story, an overarching story that is going on in the scriptures. And it's all contained right here, this big meta story, this big overarching story. And the story is about the love of God being revealed to human people, being revealed to you and to me. What's going on here, it far exceeds the love of, of, of Mary and Elizabeth, as wonderful as that is, or the love of a mother, as, as wonderful as that is. And hopefully, prayerfully, all of us have been the recipients of the love of a mother. Not everyone has a good experience, but I pray that you have. So it's more than that. Um, what is going on here is the testimony of the complete, radical, what is that song? How does that song describe it? Reckless faithfulness and love of God. That's what's going on here. That is what's being described in this overarching meta story that is contained in the scriptures. It is, it is indescribable. When you look at the biblical characters of the scripture, almost all of them, and the, this is the amazing thing about the Bible, the Bible doesn't cover up the shortcomings, the flaws, and the outright sins of the characters that it is talking about. Whether you're talking about Abraham, whether you're talking about David, or whether you're talking about Moses, it doesn't cover up their, their shenanigans. It doesn't cover it up. You would think if someone was making up the story, the heroes of the story wouldn't be involved in all the things that these particular characters are. So what this, what this is about is an overarching big story, cover story that covers all the other stories that God is in the business of rescuing the human family from a deep darkness that has crept into the creation. That's what the story is all about. And we have a tendency, I'm afraid, in our age, and, and I, I, I live with a constant uh, sense of being disturbed in my spirit, is that the present culture will grow up and not know, not know the love of God, or not know what it means to, will not know the gospel, will not be struck by the overwhelming grace and love of God. And, and somehow that message might, might escape a current generation. And that generation grow up and not know. But God is so faithful. So this meta story, this overarching meta, big story about God's, what, what, what we learn in, in school is, is salvation history. All of history is salvation history. God is trying to save the world. And he goes to the very edge of where he can go with, with, with his own death on the cross, trying to rescue a lost human family. In this very moment, in this very moment, 
there is, uh, and I, 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 I'm, I'm lacking in words to try to describe, there is a gross darkness that, which covers the land. There's a gross darkness that falls over the eyes of the human person, and only the light of the gospel of Jesus pierces through and breaks through the darkness that ensnares and entangles and blinds the eyes of those who do not see. In fact, the Bible says the God of this age has blinded the eyes of those who do not believe. So they cannot, they cannot see the glory of God revealed in the face of Jesus. And this is where you and I come into play. Uh, because God is now making his appeal to the world, not through angels, not through a nativity, but through you and through me. And that's convicting. And that, frankly, is quite scary. Because God has not, as far as we can tell, as far as we know, does not have option B. He has you and me. And I just made that up. He doesn't have option B. He's just planning on you and me. You want to write that down, Terry? That's pretty impressive. Okay. I thought you'd be impressed. And that was just, that was just spontaneous inspiration right there. So, so, so it's a big deal. So, so God is always on the move. God is, see, I just said God is always on the move, and you, you're thinking in your mind, yeah, over there in the scriptures, or in, in biblical history. God is, no, I mean right now. I mean right now. I mean right through you and right through me. He is always, <coughs> excuse me, on the move. And, and what he tends to do is do something that we don't expect. And it kind of catches us off guard. For instance, like, like Mary. Mary is just in a line of God being on the move in history. I made reference to Abraham. Remember, Sarah was up in age and not able to bear children. What happens? She has a, a child of promise. Remember that story? And then what happens? Hannah. Hannah is praying and, and, and seeking God and crying out to God, Lord, I want a child. If you just give me a child, I'll give him back to you. Well, Hannah gets pregnant. Sure enough. She gives the child back to God. He serves. It's Samuel. And then we have Elizabeth. God is on the move. He's doing something. The people are called crying out for a Messiah, for a Savior. But there's a forerunner to come. Uh, the angel shows up to Zechariah in the Holy of Holies and announces, your wife, who is not able to bear children, is going to bear children. So God is on the move. So six months later, he shows up to Mary, which shouldn't probably happen from human point of view. Because they, uh, uh, Abraham and Sarah's husband and wife. Hannah is married. Zechariah and Sarah, they're married. Mary is not married, <clears throat> but she's going to have a child. She's a spouse, she's engaged, but she's going to have a child, which like, why would you do that? Why don't you just wait till they get married? Why bring all this like this? That is not how we do things, God. Why are you doing it that way? Well, it's a sign because it was announced many years before, behold, a maiden shall conceive and bear a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. So God is on the move and he gives hints along the way of what he's trying to do. So Mary, uh, uh, she, she doesn't fit the other category. She's outside the category. So, so let me give you a word of caution. You know, I, I, you know, you don't get younger as the years go by. Did you know that? You do not get younger as the years go by. And I'm learning that more and more as the years go by. 
And but I also learned this as, as the years go by, and as I do not get younger and younger, I tend to like the same things. I go to the same restaurants, I pretty much sit at the same place at church. I, I drive on the same side of the road, I, I drive the same way, I, I listen to the same music. I, I, I kind of get, by this time, I've kind of figured out what I like, and I like it. So why mess with it? Well, you're going to have a problem with God. You're going to have a problem with Him. Because God does new things. And He does things outside of our preferences. And he, and he doesn't ask your permission nor mine. Can I get an amen or a hello or a hallelujah? He don't ask your permission. He is on the move, and he, he, he does surprises all along the way, and he does things outside of, what, of how we would have done it. If God would have said, hey, Brent, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to bring Messiah now, and um, I'm, I just need a little counsel, and who has ever been his counselor? No one. And I'm trying, I want to find the lady. I'm thinking about Mary, but she's not going to be married yet. And uh, so should I wait till she's married or go ahead and let's have this, this divine action now? I would have said, let's wait till they get married. That's what I would have said. Without question. Without a second breath. But he didn't ask me, and he didn't do it that way. To bring about the salvation of the world. Now, don't brush over that. Sometimes we like to put God in a box. Are y'all listening to me? <laughs> we like to put God in a box, and it's called my box. And he needs to act my way and do how I want him to do. And if he ever asks me, I'll tell him. In fact, he don't have to tell me. I'll just tell him anyway. But you're going to have a problem with God because, listen to this, God, God does the unexpected. He acts in ways and he does things outside of the ways that we would do them. I mean, if you, it has to be a God story that Jesus would come the way that he come. How could it possibly be that the Messiah, the Son of God, the King of the ages, the Lord of history, the Lord of all, God of eternity, the one who inhabits eternity, would be born in a stable that makes no sense. And why would salvation be, be exacted on a cross? Why would, why would God do that if he acts in ways? In fact, Paul says that, that the gospel, the message of the gospel, of the coming of Jesus, the, 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 the messianic message, the gospel, the good news, is a stumbling block. It's a stumbling block, and it's an offense. It's a stumbling block to the Jews and it's an offense to the Gentiles. Why would God act that way? Well, he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. Listen, if uh, you don't like new things, you're going to have a hard time. Because God's about giving a new heart, a new song, a new heaven, a new earth, a new name. In fact, Jesus said, I'm going to make everything new. <laughs> Does that bless your heart? <laughs> I'm making everything new. So, so he goes outside of the norm when this whole event of, of, of Mary's uh, exchange with Gabriel uh, 
it's totally outside of the norm. He, you would not have counseled him to do it that way. She had no husband. However, uh, however, uh, she was highly favored. Now, you put that word in the context of today's contemporary preaching. There's nothing about Mary's life that you can point out that she was favored by contemporary thinking. Except the one fact that she was greeted by the angel Gabriel with an astonishing message and was, was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and gave birth to the Messiah. And that's a pretty big deal. But nothing else about her life, like once you give birth to the Messiah, you're going to have a 5,000 square foot house with a paved driveway and a massive pool in the backyard. Or you're not going to be riding on the donkey anymore that's left over from your great uncle Levi. You're going to get a stallion. Not just any stallion, the best stallion in all the region. It's none of that. As far as we know, they were always poor. As far as we know, they were always uh, servants to, uh, and lived under the, the dominion of, of, of the Roman Empire. As far as we know, her husband Joseph died early. As far as we know, uh, uh, Jesus was not accepted by his own brothers. As far as we know, th there was nothing. The house they lived in, the community they lived in, the people, the people they belonged to, nothing gave her esteem. Nothing showed that she was highly favored. As far as we can tell, she was just an average, devout Jewish girl. But God favored her. Now, why did he favor her? Well, part of the clue is that it's, it seems obvious that she was a devout young Jewish girl. She feared God. She reverenced God. She honored God. She lived with integrity. She loved the Lord. And the things about her life gave testimony to that. And she probably was favored with not only God, but with her community. And when you listen to her response to Gabriel, you know, most people when, they're, when they engage a, uh, an angel, they fall down dead. Not dead, but they fall down as though they are dead. And they are terribly afraid. And you would be too. It would be astonishing. We would probably all pass out and uh, run out of here screaming if an angel literally showed up and we saw it. So there was something about uh, Gabriel. Now you can imagine the conversation between uh, Yahweh and Gabriel. Now Gabriel, I need you to go to Mary. Now don't just show up all of a sudden and, and just glow real brightly. She's going to pass out. So you're going to have to do this very carefully. So, however uh, Gabriel manifests himself, it was in such a way so that Mary didn't fall down like she was dead, like most everyone else did. She encountered the angel. She was pondered at. She pondered it. She thought about it. She wondered about it. His greeting, she thought about it. And then she questioned him. So, her response was, May it be as you said. And that's astonishing, considering what she probably was pondering, how can these things be, seeing that I do not know a man? How can these things be? But may it be according to your word. So she showed, she showed great faith. She showed a response to, to the message of the Lord. She showed obedience and that she followed through. And, and because of that, because of that, 
uh, because of the activity of God, because he, he acts in the world, he is, he is on the move, he is, he is about rescuing the human family who are encaptured, who are enslaved in, in darkness, and he is trying to rescue them through the light of life, through Christ. Because of her response, a new family emerges in the earth. A new family. And because of what God has done for us through Jesus, through His Son, who came through a woman's womb, and He, and he fulfilled all the things that were said about Messiah, and He fulfilled all righteousness, He, he launches into the earth a new family. It was once, it was once before Jesus came, it was a nation, a people, a chosen people, the Hebrew people. But since Jesus, a new family emerges in the world through, through, the, through the new birth brought about by the activity of the Holy Spirit, a new family emerges in the earth. We call them the sons and the daughters of God. And you, my friends, if you have been born again, if you have been born from above by the Holy Spirit, you are a son and a daughter of God. That is an amazing thing. And it's not because you are all that sharp. And it wasn't because you were all that holy. It wasn't even because you were that faithful. You've probably been unfaithful. Think about it. You've probably been unfaithful. Most human beings have been or are unfaithful. They are not devout. They are not given over. They are not 100% listening, nor following, nor obedient. But that doesn't stop him. You know why? Because God loves you and he loves me more than we can possibly comprehend. And that is what is going on with the Christmas story is that God is revealing his love to us in ways that we can't even comprehend, and he's inviting us, not because of who we are, because of our status, because of our beauty, because of our riches, because of our righteousness, but because of his great faithfulness and his overwhelming love he is, he is desiring, which is incomprehensible, he's desiring to adopt us into his family, out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, simply because he loves you. And we have a hard time with that because... Most, most of our experiences with love has been conditional. I'll love you as long as you don't cross me. I'll love you as long as you please me. I'll love you as long as whatever. But the moment you stop, we're done. But God's not like that. In spite of our unloveliness, in spite of our unfaithfulness, God is still faithful. God still loves. As Paul says, it is not when we were and it's not when we were friends of God that he loved us. It's when we were the enemies of God he loved us. When we, when we had enmity against God, he loved us. But because of his great love, he wants to adopt us and bring us into his family and rescue us out of the darkness and bring us into the kingdom of his glorious son. And that is an amazing thing. So... As we wrap up this Advent season, as this is the last Sunday in Advent, the next time we meet is Christmas Eve, and then it's Christmas Day, and then we begin Christmas. 
God in His faithful, overwhelming, reckless love, because of the Holy Spirit that is in you, has now commissioned you, has commissioned you, has called you to be a part of His family and, and then to be lights all over this place, all over this community, all over this state, wherever you roam, to be lights of His shining in the darkness. Because God is making His appeal to the world through you and through me. Which if He would have asked me, I would have said, please don't do that. But He didn't ask me. And this is the deal. That God is making His appeal to your neighbor, to the cash register, to your car mechanic, to your AC, HVAC guy, <clears throat> to, your, to, your, to your relatives. God is making His appeal to them through you. So it's very, very important. I'm almost done. It's very, very important that, that you be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is so vitally, vitally necessary and important that you be filled with the Holy Spirit because if you are not filled with the Holy Spirit and you get jolted or you get knocked around, which you are going to, you're going to get knocked around. You're going to get jolted. You're going to get pushed. You're going to get shoved. And what's going to happen if you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, it is not going to be the life of Jesus and the light of Jesus that spills out. It's going to be ugly you that spills out. I don't mean that in a countenance kind of way. I mean that spirit that, that is akin to that dark spirit that's out in the world. So it's vitally important. And Uncle Bud Robinson, which most of you probably have never heard of, a few of you have, said, I want to be so filled with Jesus so when I get poked, honey just flows out. Rather than anger and malice and rah, rah. But honey just flows out and spills out and they go, get around him. Don't get around her. If you get mad, they're just going to love you. And that's so irritating. <laughs> you might get madder. So God is making his bill. So, so this year we've had, um, we've had a hope, a hope that does not disappoint. We've had peace, peace that is in, inside, that is not given by the world, but given by the Spirit of God. We've had joy, which is not based on the circumstances around you, because there's enough circumstances around you to kill any happiness and joy if that's what it's based on, and love. Not a love that this world gives, but a love that the Spirit of God gives by His Holy Spirit by pouring his own spirit out into our hearts, filling us with his own love. So everywhere you go, you are being hope, you are being peace, you are bringing joy, and you are manifesting love everywhere you go. Now who pulls that off in a perfect kind of way? No one. No one pulls that off in a perfect kind of way. But guess what? God loves you anyway. God loves you anyway. And it is his love that constrains you to say, oh God, I blew that moment because you love me so much. Because you love me so much. I want to keep serving you. I want to make amends with that. I want to do better than that. Fill me all the more with yourself. Draw me closer to your heart. And let me radiate, let me spill over, let me burn out for you 
in this present world. Let's stand and bow our heads. Lord Jesus, we read and we're very familiar with the Christmas story. And because, in part because it's so familiar with us, we might lose sight of the significance of it. But I pray, Lord, today that the, the Word, the Word of the Lord will be revealed to us in the very depths of our soul. And the depths of it, and the transforming work of it will be revealed in us. And then it will be revealed in the world. And we will live with the conviction that we are living epistles that are read by a lost world that they might know just as we are loved, they too are loved. And as they have been hurt, we too have been hurt, but we love them anyway. Let your light shine all the more, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Central Church today. If you'd like to get involved, please visit us at centralnazarene.org.